Hi there, my name is Nick, Nick Harding, and I am really delighted to be with you today to be able to talk about something that is very dear to my heart. It's about how we find faith, hope, and love in a broken world. I am married to the lovely Jenny, we live in Liverpool, and uh, we have four amazing daughters, eight grandchildren, but it, it's quite possible that none of that could ever have happened because at the age of 15, uh, my sister and I, we were on a beach in Dorset. We were digging holes and we dug this amazing hole about six foot deep. It was an engineering masterpiece. And we were sitting cross-legged in the bottom. And my dad came to take a photo. And as he did so, the sides caved in and we were completely buried under hundredweights of sand. And I very, very nearly died. As young mum and dad, we were delighted to be producing these amazing children. But, you know, children come with their challenges and they also come with occasional moments of absolute anguish. And our third daughter, our 11-month-old baby, uh, contracted meningitis, bacterial meningitis. She was in hospital for over a week and she was unconscious for many of those days. And again, she very nearly died. The same daughter as a 15 year old was in a car accident. Uh, she had a, a lap strap uh, across her and she jackknifed over that lap strap. She broke her spine, could easily have been paralyzed. Some years later, I got ourselves into really ridiculous amounts of debt I'd invested in some property and it all went badly wrong and uh, found ourselves nearly bankrupt. Why do I say all these things? Well, you know, people often say, if, you know, why do bad things happen to good people or why is there suffering in the world today? And of course, I can't possibly answer that question in just a few minutes. It's a huge question. But what I do want to say is that we often see God as the problem instead of God as the solution. People who actually say they don't believe in God, when they see suffering in the world, they blame God, which I find slightly ironic. But I want to explain today how God is the answer to these problems, not the cause of them. There's an ancient text. It's about 1500 years old. It's been written by about 40 different authors from um, many different nationalities and backgrounds. But amazingly, it has one coherent, credible and consistent theme from beginning to end. This book has been read by billions and in the last 200 years, actually five billion copies of it have been sold. Not million, billion copies. And every year, year on year, it outsells the, the best-selling novels by at least 20 to 1. I'm talking, of course, about the Bible. And this text, this book, has a very different story about the cause of our problems and why we live in a broken world. This book tells the story of a man and a woman who are created to be loved by God, to experience his perfect creation and to enjoy being with him in that creation. Sadly, they choose a different path. They want to chart their own 
course. They want to make their own decisions. They want to live their lives free from any other influence. They think they know best. And in turning their back on this loving creator God, they enter a whole world of difficulty, of pain, and they bring that brokenness not only to their own lives, not only to their offspring, but to the whole of our planet. They remove themselves from the loving care and protection of a creator God and brokenness comes into our world and we find that we are basically of the same nature. We turn our backs on God, we want to live for ourselves, we want to make our own decisions, we want to plough our own furrow, we don't want anyone else telling us what to do and we reject God's loving care and direction for our lives. And this is at the heart of our dilemma. It's the heart of our broken world. And we end up looking for faith and hope and love in all the wrong places. We look for we we put our faith in things that are utterly untrustworthy. During the coronavirus, people have thought about their their wealth, they thought about their health, they thought about their future and their jobs and all the things that they thought were rock solid and reliable, they discover can be gone in a moment. People put their hope in future things, holidays or nights out or savings plans or, you know, all sorts of things that they look forward to and only to discover either that they they, they disappear, they are no longer uh, any good, they're no longer going to happen or they discover they don't deliver the thing that they hoped they would deliver. And we look for love in all the wrong places and often in the wrong people. We put our trust and our, and our hope and our faith in people that let us down. And we look for love for people who take advantage of us. And even in loving relationships, we often feel disappointed. They don't really live up to our expectations. We're looking for faith and hope and love in the wrong places. Deep down, deep inside, we know that we're not satisfied. There's this niggling sense of we're not quite discovering the life that we thought we could have. Deep down inside, there's an underlying fear or anxiety or, or just a, a sense of unhappiness that life is not how we want it to be. Even we don't think we've lived up to our own potential. And yet the irony is we probably have more freedom in the West, certainly, than anyone's ever had. Freedom to choose our own leaders, freedom to pursue education and careers, freedom to pursue the happiness that we think is our right. And yet, are we any happier? I don't think we are. We're looking for these things in the wrong places. And this ancient text, the Bible that we've talked about, it addresses these issues and really, you could sum it up in this way. It says this, that the heart of the human problem is actually the problem of the human heart. It's that we've turned our backs on God and we've gone our own way. And we've reaped the consequences of that. And so has the world around us and the planet on which we live. It's broken as a result of our turning our backs on God. But God in his great mercy and his great love, didn't leave us in this place. He came up with the most daring rescue plan. You know, man has always tried to reach out to God to find this thing, this person, this something that would fulfill them, would fill that God 
shaped hole in their hearts that Blaise Pascal, the, the uh, inventor, physicist, mathematician, philosopher from the 1600s, described as a God-shaped vacuum that we try to fill with all sorts of things, and yet nothing but God in the person of Jesus can truly fulfill. That's what he said. We look for it in all the wrong places. And we try these religious, keeping religious rules, doing good works or going deep into ourselves in introspection or meditation. And, and yet somehow we never quite find the God we're looking for. But this is the rescue plan that God didn't wait for us to climb the ladder to reach him. He came down to us. He came to us in the person of a vulnerable human baby, the person of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more vulnerable than a baby. Not only a normal baby, but born into a, a despised and persecuted race. On the run from the authorities who were trying to kill him and other young children of his age. Fleeing as a refugee into a foreign nation. And as a young man, misunderstood as a teacher and as a miracle worker, despised and ultimately rejected by the authorities, accused of crimes he didn't commit and crucified on a lonely cross on a Jerusalem hillside 2,000 years ago. He understands our pain, our grief, our loneliness, our isolation, our fear. He understands our longings and desires and he comes to us. Just as he came 2,000 years ago as a baby, he comes to us today. The Bible puts it this way. For God so loved the world. That's you and me, every single one of us. God so loved us that he sent his one and only son. That's Jesus. He sent his one and only son to this earth to die God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever, whoever would believe in him wouldn't live a uh, meaningless and hopeless life and die without hope, but they would receive his rich, rewarding and eternal life. That was the rescue plan. Jesus came to show us what God was like, a perfect loving father, not a, a policeman trying to find us doing wrong things and punish us. He came to explain to us what God has to offer us, forgiveness and freedom and fulfillment in life as we follow his plan. He came to make us right with God because that selfishness, that self-centeredness that we have pursued our lives with has separated us from the loving God. And on the cross, perfect love and justice were matched. He demonstrated his love by taking the place of us on that cross, taking the punishment that we deserved. And he demonstrated perfect justice by letting us off scot-free and taking the punishment that we deserved. Love and justice met on that cross. And the message of this ancient text, this different story, is that we can find faith, hope and love in him. 
We can put our faith in him, faith not just in what he's done for us, but faith in him as a historical reality, someone who lived and died on a cross for us. That is dependable, that is solid, that is not going to change overnight. We can put our faith in him. We can put our hope in the life that he offers us, a life that is fulfilling and rewarding. And we can find his love. We can receive his love with which we can be truly loved. A love that will never let us down and a love with which we can love other people. And we can reconnect with his plan for our lives and discover how he helps us make the big decisions and some of the small ones in rediscovering that perfect plan and perfect love. When I was buried under hundred weights of sand, having given my life to Jesus three years before as a 12-year-old, in that moment before I went unconscious, I experienced perfect peace, a peace that only God could have given me as I was struggling to even expand my chest. I was unable to take any breath into me. In the moments before I went unconscious, thought I was probably going to die. I knew his peace. That was real. That was supernatural. I couldn't have made that up if I'd tried. When our 11-month-old daughter was in hospital, God spoke to us. Because when we come into relationship with him, he teaches us how to hear his voice. And he spoke to Jenny through one of the poems in the Bible. We call them Psalms. And he spoke to Jenny about the fact that we would see God's goodness in the land of the living. And amazingly, you know, as Jenny spoke those words over our young daughter's life, having been unconscious, unresponsive for several days, literally as she spoke those words, her eyes opened, our daughter's eyes opened, and she began to rock to the music that was gently playing in the background. 24 hours later, she was out of hospital. When we got ourselves into terrible debt, again, God spoke to us because we're in relationship with him and he loves to speak to us, to tell us how to handle things, what to do. And and in that moment of desperation, when I thought we were going bankrupt, God spoke to us again. And he, from a a scripture, an obscure scripture about God helping uh, a prophet in the Old Testament sell something, sell a field that he thought was unsellable. God said, no, nothing is too difficult for me. And these fields will again be sold in this land. And for us who had invested in property that seemed completely unsellable, it was God's promise to us that they would once again sell one day. And he he whispered into my ear one morning, he just said, Nick, this is going to be a 10-year journey. And that little thought that dropped into my head, I was sure was God speaking to me. And it was actually 10 years to the month from the moment we got into that situation, 10 years to the month that we were completely debt free. God was so good to us. And he leads us on this journey, on this adventure. I thought I would spend all of my life in Bristol as a, as a GP, having spent all, so many years training as a doctor and having my own practice for 12 years. Thought we would stay there forever. But God had other plans in mind. He had an adventure for us. And, and so giving up my medical practice and my medical career, a bunch of us moved to the city of Liverpool to start a church. And that was an amazing adventure, a great joy. 
Now I, I, I run a network of churches across our city region and a family of churches that I serve around our country. I could never have dreamt that up. God has plans for your life. And if we will reconnect with God, if we will put our faith in what he's done for us on the cross, receiving his forgiveness and his freedom, discovering the fulfillment of serving him, if we will put our hope in the life that he has planned for us and receive his love and be filled with that love, we will have faith, hope and love, not only in a broken world, but for a broken world. One of my great heroes uh, of all time is a man called Noel Chavas. He was a captain. Uh, uh, he had uh, qualified as a doctor in the early 1900s. In fact, he'd studied at Oxford. He, he had competed in the 1908 Olympics. And in 1917, as a young doctor, he volunteered to join the Royal Army Medical Corps as the First World War was uh, starting. He was the uh, twin son of the second Bishop of Liverpool, and he spent some of his years in Liverpool. So again, he's dear to my heart. This amazing Christian man lived an incredible life, a short life. He's the only person in World War I to have won two Victoria Crosses. The second one was given to him posthumously. He died on the battlefields, rescuing men under enemy fire, constantly being shot at, wounded on several occasions. And on the final occasion, wounded so badly that even though he continued tending to the dying on the battlefield itself, he died of his wounds and was given the second Victoria Cross. The reason I mention him is because on his gravestone in a nearby cemetery are written these words. It's his name, his rank, and then this quotation simply says, Greater love has no man that a man should lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no man than a man should lay down his life for his friends. And this quotation that's so aptly applied to this amazing Christian man and hero in the First World War, this quotation comes from the words of Jesus speaking about himself, the death that he was going to experience and the fact that he laid it down. He laid his life down for us, just as Noel Shabbos did for his comrades in the, in the war. So Jesus laid down his life on the cross for us so that we could have faith, hope and love in this broken world and for this broken world. And so he offers us those things today. Do we want faith in him? Do we want hope in the life that he offers? Do we want to know the love with which he's loved us and the perfect plan that he has for us for which we've been created if the answer to that question is yes then I would love to lead us in a very simple prayer that asks Christ to be the one who changes us and gives us this life so let me invite you to pray with me I'm going to pray a very simple prayer line by line and uh, if you'd like to I invite you to repeat the prayer after me, one line at a time. It will be the beginning of a journey, a life that you will never regret, that will have all sorts of excitement, but will never lack in faith, hope or love in our broken world. Let's pray.
Just repeat these lines after me, either to yourself, in your heart, or out loud, whichever you want. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died on a cross for me. You died for my sin. My self-centered independence. I receive your forgiveness right now. Thank you, Jesus. I surrender my self-rule, my selfishness and my self-centeredness. And I invite you to rule in my heart. I invite you to take full control of my life. And to lead me in the amazing, perfect plan that you have for me. I ask you to fill me with your spirit so that I can live for you. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer, it's a simple prayer that will become your reality in the days ahead. Whether you feel anything different right now or not makes no difference. It's the intent of your heart that counts. And God has heard that prayer. He has forgiven you. And he will lead you into this loving plan and purpose that he has for your life. Let me just give you one last piece of advice. It's this. This life, this life of following Jesus is never meant to be lived alone. It's not a solo sport. It's a team game. And I would urge you to find other people who follow Jesus. Maybe they meet in a home or in a church building. And let your life be intertwined with theirs so that they can encourage you and you can encourage them. And together, you can begin to change this broken world with the faith, the hope and the love that is now yours. God bless you.